0: You are listening to a Stat Media Group production. This is Cargo Masterminds, presented by Cargo One. This is an exclusive one to one weekly interview series with leaders from the world's leading air cargo and logistics companies. It is Monday. And it is time to catch up with the new Cargo Mastermind with your host, Reggie John. The air cargo market's volatility makes developing a reliable and sustainable air shipping strategy increasingly challenging. With air freight capacities fluctuating and market conditions being unpredictable, Shippers and manufacturers need more efficient ways to develop sustainable air freight shipping solutions. The best way to accomplish this is through reliable and comprehensive data. Zeneta, founded in 2012, is enabling smarter decisions based on facts and real data. Changing the way freight is bought and sold is the vision of Zeneta. They strongly believe that If you cannot measure it, you cannot improve it. Joining me today to discuss the increasingly important data-driven decision-making in global air freight industry is Neil Vandervo, Chief Air Freight Officer, Zeneta. Neil founded Clive Data Services in 2019, which Zeneta acquired in 2022 to provide the most timely and comprehensive insights into the global ocean and air freight markets. I'm extremely glad to have Neil van der Vo, Chief Air Freight Officer, Zeneta, in today's episode of Cargo Masterminds. Neil joins us from Amsterdam. Neil, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. I appreciate joining us.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Reggie. Although I'm not sure I would classify myself as a mastermind in cargo. I will try to uh, give you our latest uh, insights into what we've been seeing and hearing.
0: Thanks, Neil. Uh, let's begin with the latest Zeneta air freight update uh, that came out uh, last week. Uh, inbound USA cargo market is uh, shaping up for a mild peak season. And this is, uh, according to the report, is consistent with the data that Zeneta has shown over the Summer that global spot rates are gradually stabilizing after falling consistently since early 2022. Break it down for us to understand uh, this trend better. We could,
1: literally on this question, we could talk for 20 minutes, because we had some interesting discussions internally on this, but let me try to boil it down to to the core of it. One of my colleagues looked at an analysis in the US where you could see that uh, the real discretionary spend US consumers has been improving for the last few months in a row. So even if we we take out inflation, they have more money in their pocket to spend. And you can see it reflected in the increase in durable goods on which they were spending their money. If you compare it to Europe, it's a different story. Um, And then if we were to look at that in combination with, let's say, the traditional um, air freight seasonality that we experience, we're looking at, okay, if, if they got more money in their pocket, it is likely that we would see a typical, um, albeit, let's say modest increase in their spend uh, throughout the rest of the year. The, the flip side to that is, which we, we also referred to recently, is a study by the IMF, highlighted, they were looking at what is the cause of the surge in inflation in the US as well as in Europe. And they found that, according to their analysis, I don't know how they did it, Richie, but I'm working off their numbers. They said 80% of the surge of inflation in the US is caused by an overheating economy. So people are spending, if I simplify, people are spending too much. While in Europe, it was only, I believe, 6%. A single digit of an overheating economy. So the the flip side to a modest peak in the US because the, the US consumers are still spending strongly is, I believe, a bigger downside risk next year. Because well, many things in life they regress to the mean at a certain moment in time. And if it's overheating at the moment, that must that must come down, whether it's a hard a landing or a soft landing. I'll leave it up to the experts. So I think that the, the, um, there's a bigger downside risk for US inbound demand than I would think there is in Europe, because the European economy and the inflation there is not because of an overheating co- economy, but because of issues in the supply chain. So that is a long story to your question why we are and why we, why we could expect to could see a, um, a, a modest increase in volumes towards the end of the year because of you know, people having more real money in their pocket.
0: So does that indicate that next year, early next year, the first quarter could be bad for in, in terms of the demand, in the at least
1: in the US? I would keep an eye out for that, because I think there is, like I said, there's a bigger downside risk there than we see in in, in in Europe. The speed at which that economy is still humming. I think many economists agree that that's not sustainable. That's not good. So they're, will, they're looking for ways to cool it down. And I would expect that to be also reflected in um, the purchase of goods and the need for transportation.
0: Neil, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the macroeconomic factors, uh, which apparently is supporting or likely to support the optimism in the market and a mild recovery as uh, reported in your report uh, in consumer demand and spending. Uh, they're good indicators for potential rise in demand for air freight. Uh, is that is the that right assessment, uh, uh, according to you?
1: Well, I think yes and no. So short term in the US, yes. But I think there is, um, I had go back a few months. The year 2022 started off not what many people hoped. But then it was all the, the, the magic boost and was a uh, restocking. The restocking was going to happen in Q2 or Q3. And then we, we, we couldn't see any underlying data that would support that. So I think I said, I understand the hope. I don't see the data in support of that. And gradually throughout the year, the restocking was pushed back. Now it's going to be Q3 and then maybe Q4. And now you hear more and more and retailers uh, talk about Q1. Um, I think it was a company, Foot Locker. Their stocks what is the crashed 20 plus percent uh, based on the, on our latest statistics and so there's i think there's a lot of uncertainty about retail in general and and i don't when i speak to our customers i don't hear that they are expecting a surge in demand or that they're right that they have so low stock that they're expecting to move a lot by air freight so i'm I don't see at the moment why demand would pick up much more than what we currently see. And as a result of that, I think what will happen on the supply side will have had the biggest impact on markets uh, in the next one or two quarters. Let's
0: look away from the US. uh, What is the sense you get for other markets, economies, uh, for which I'm sure that you have data. What do they indicate and point
1: to? I would say it's, uh, it's all muted. And so uh, it is doldrums. So not, not, from a volume perspective, there's not a lot happening. But I think from a paradox point of view, because there's not much happening on the volume side, I think uh, both freight forwarders and airlines are working frantically to get those volumes uh, that are out there. Uh, so it doesn't mean that that airlines or forwarders are cruising. I, th- I think they're fighting left and right to get those uh, to, to get the volumes that are put onto the market, and that of course is then being reflected in in, in lower rates. Okay, when you look at the
0: market, uh, do you see that the freight rates have hit the lowest, uh, and in the weeks ahead, uh, the rates are likely to go up gradually. Is that something that you you tend to notice, or is that something? I, I, that I some would day?
1: I would expect, as I just mentioned, I think the, the supply plays a key component, yeah? and I think we're now at the the peak of capacity when it comes to the passenger services. Yeah? The, the holiday season, um, especially in the, in the northern hemisphere, that will slowly fade out, yeah? assuming that the, the demands will be the same. Then you will see load factors pick up, and um, I can see that continuing, yes, and especially when the winter schedules start again. Okay, so my next
0: question is that do you think that the current free trades are more rationalized uh, and it is only irrational to continue to make comparison to the extraordinary rate peaks uh, that we have seen in the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the word rational is, but com- making a comparison to, let's say, a year and a half ago, I, I think provides little value. That being said, I also like to express that I don't see a lot of value in comparing it to the 2019 levels. Because do you still it? Yeah. Or is it at the same level of 2019? N- name me something, Reggie, that you're buying that has the same cost as it had in 2019 with the crazy inflation we've seen you know, all over the globe. And I think it was the, also the, the CEO of uh, Hapag Lloyd who said, uh, yes, rates may be at 2019 level, but hey, my costs are 20, 30 percent higher on certain lanes. And so they the I think the base from a cost point of view is much higher now than it was in 2019. So I think comparing it to a year and a half ago, or comparing it to 2019, I I find both of them of, of limited value on assessing your where. Way- are the rates now at a, at a sustainable level? I think, but air freight keeps on surprising us, uh, that we, that this is about you know where, where the bottom is. The, we don't see a lot of demand. Air capacity has for a large part returned. And if markets can bear this, I think this will be an, a new base from which air rates might start following the, um, the seasonal patterns again.
0: And going through also in the recent Pulse, the, the numbers published by airlines, uh, we do notice that the cargo yields have been nose-diving. Uh, how much of this do you think is driven by by aggressive drop in cargo rates as airlines uh, and forwarders are going through a scenario which you actually described uh, in one of the recent updates as uh, fear of missing out formal?
1: Well, I, I think most of it is regression, do you mean? And in and, and certain in certain corners, it will be made worse because of that dynamic. But it's at I the I think airlines were probably just as surprised as, as we were. If you see you know, what, what the rates were doing and how much money they could but also also on the carrier side. But that's all gone. I think it was a what's the opposite of a perfect storm in a positive sense, and that was occurring. Those fundamentals uh, have disappeared, and then you know demand and supply does its work. Uh, and I think uh, that, that probably then overshoots because of the uh, the fear of missing out. It probably drops below a certain level, and then it will bob up again at the moment. People think, well, this is not this is not sustainable, because in the end, um, it's a, it, I would say there's it's a zero sum game. Freight forwarder A steals a bit of business from freight forward to B at a lower rate. And then freight forward to B steals a bit of business from freight forward to A. And and, and in the end, the shipper is richer. And so I think a bit of irrational behavior, maybe a bit of panic. Uh, like, guys, I, you know, we got to make the numbers. But I think even as the, um, the human body can only be in panic mode for so long, I think in industry or Company can only be in panic, and then acceptance of reality, and, and I think more rational or more sustainable rates uh, will emerge again.
0: How likely does this trend going to last? Do you think that uh,
1: is this going to continue for some more time? I wouldn't expect it to get worse because I, I think you know, when this starts, and you might be going after any kind of business you might get your hands on. Well, once to either to try to meet your budget or, eh, or, or or try and explain to the higher levels, you know, we're still reaching our targets. But once people realize that that's no longer possible yeah, and that they start looking more ahead again, I think that kind of behavior would decrease.
0: Neil, uh, what does your uh, data suggest of uh, load factors uh... Are there any trend in terms of, are they improving?
1: No, they're not improving. They're not getting much worse. But just to compare, you know, at the, at the, the start of 22, I think we were talking about load factors globally of 70%, which, is, which were, was a record. Now globally, is 55. And that, that, is, that is quite a difference, which we see reflected in, in, in the lower rates. I, w- I would expect them to go up. In the, in the months ahead, mainly because of capacity being taken out of the market. And and secondly, um, if the typical seasonality patterns you know, would come back, then we would see a bit of an increase towards the end of the year. Neil, uh, when you look at the main air
0: freight corridors, uh, what is the data you are picking up and what do they indicate uh, for the rest of the year?
1: That's a big question. I would. Like we said, uh, the, uh, on the big corridor, um, a trans-pack, we still see a strong U.S. consumer, uh, which might indicate that uh, we see an uptick towards the end of the year when it comes to Europe, uh, flows into Europe, yeah, more muted, uh, and and an economy that is not as buzzing as hard as we see in the U.S., uh, according to the statistics, I I, I don't expect a my not even a mother speak into Europe. To be honest, that would be a more, yeah, flattish towards maybe a bit of an uptick. But but the help will come from the capacity side. Right? With less capacity in the same volumes, flights will get fuller, and that that will help airlines uh, in it to uh, increase the rates. The demand and supply has changed. But yeah, uh, I I don't see why the trends that we are currently seeing, will change so quickly that we'll get a surge. But hey, as I told you previously, the air freight market is not really in control of its own destiny. There is stuff happening in Panama, there might be stuff happening around the world, uh, which could cause uh, 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 issues, let's say, on the West Coast East Coast US, and the international transportation world is so connected that... An event on the other side of the world could have consequences in Europe eh, or in the U.S. But if nothing dramatically happens, I, I yeah, I, I don't think we would see a um, a strong peak season in 23.
0: a follow-up question here, since uh, I think to some extent data suggests that uh, people from China still have not got back to the uh, intense travel they are used to uh, in the pre-COVID. Uh, uh, does that suggest that there is an advantage for the main deck carriers because trans-Pacific is uh, is an important uh, air freight corridor?
1: It makes the situation less bad, I would say. Yes, that's correct. And 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 that is amount of capacity is still looming there. I, I think you heard today there's still one flight a day between Shanghai uh, and the U.S. airport. I mean, it's it's still. I I live in Amsterdam. I don't see, there's yeah, still the massive influx of, of Chinese travelers. Um, that's right. that is still to come, that's still to come. Uh, I think the revenge travel has been more for the, the Western part really? or the Northern part of the world, but that will come. And, uh, and with that, the associated, uh, belly capacity. And once that happens, yeah, I'd be surprised if demand would keep up, I think that would put even more downward pressure on lower factors when uh, they start flying again.
0: This is an important question. Is there a peak season for 2023? What is the sense you get?
1: I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be And 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 if there's going to be an increase in rates, which I do expect a bit, it's mainly, as I mentioned earlier, from a reduction of supply... Than a you know large uh, increase in demand. I don't I don't see that. There's so much uncertainty in the world. I I, I don't see why consumers will be and will be spending lavishly. There was this thing like revenge travel, which we've seen. And um, some people say people will spend less than on service and back to goods. Let's see. I'm 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 a bit more skeptical. I think it's going to be. Yeah, muted from a demand perspective.
0: What do your uh, data suggest of the nature of the contracts between forwarders and carriers, uh, long term or short term? And what is the new, uh, what is new in the shipper versus forwarder versus carrier relationship when it comes to freight capacity bought and
1: sold? What we see, interestingly enough, on the we're seeing trends diverging. We are seeing that freight forwarders and shippers are entering more and more longer term contracts. And at, at the peak of COVID, at, there were companies that had weekly agreements with their freight forwarders. or you know, monthly, and then maybe last year was quarterly. It was, was let's say, um, a sweet spot. And now we see it being extended to up to nine months. So they agree in nine month contracts uh, with their freight forwarders. So we see the, the validity of the rates being extended. What we see on the airline side in the freight forward relationship is that the freight forwarders are not entering more longer term agreements, that they're more procuring on the short-term market, which is kind of an interesting dynamic and also a potential risk because they are the freight forwarders are selling, are committing to more longer term contracts, but they're buying more on the short-term market. So if that, for whatever reason, the shorter market would be turned upside down and rates would increase fast, yeah, that will put them in quite a difficult situation.
0: I don't know how closely you watched uh, during the peak of the COVID, insane amount of uh, revenue, profit margins. Um, you found a lot of uh, new airlines um cargo airlines and uh, a lot of people actually placing orders for freighters, converted freighters, most of which will get delivered uh, starting end of last uh, next year. What is the sense that you, you get when you look at these numbers and the falling freight rates and uh, increasing um, the mismatch between supply and demand? What do you think is the future for uh, these freighters coming into the market and the
1: new cargo carriers in the market? I think that Asking the question is nearly answering it. I, every frequent, because I got phone calls during that time frame from investors. Hey, we want to step into the, we want to buy plays. And do you have data to support that? And so why? The the current situation isn't normal. Uh, This is, I've been in this industry for close to 30 years. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, But I had to think quite often uh, about one of my first um, economics lessons. In high school, it was called It's called the, the pork meat cycle, or the pig, meat, the pig cycle. And it's a, uh, it's a theory, which I think is more than 100 years old. And it shows how difficult it is to match demand and supply when there's a delay between I want to put more capacity into the market and when it enters the market. And what that uh, economist showed that this was pork meat, he said, When prices went up, the farmers thought, I'm going to breed more piglets because I can get a lot of money from my piglets. But because the prices went up, the demand went down because it became too expensive for people. So, And because there was a delay in when the pork meat hit the market, the market was already going down. So rates were going down and more supply was added to the market because it takes a while to breed the piglets. So with that oversupply, the rates for meat declined even further until the farmers decided it's not worth for me anymore You know, to breed piglets, So supply decreased, rates went up again, and the cycle went through again. Well, that's more or less what we saw happening. Yes, the, the rates went up. People were making a lot of money uh, when you own such asset that attracted other players. But by the time their aircraft were hit the market, the rates are a very different level. So that didn't want to be funny, because it's, you know, it's when you put your money and your guts into that, that's very disappointing. But the rates will be a completely different level and demand as well than when you decide to go into that market. So I think it's going to be very difficult. And I vividly remember a quote by she was then one of the the leaders of a, of an airline that has been running freighters for many years. And she more or less said uh, during a publication, I will talk to you in five years, and if you're still happy with your freighter aircraft, that a lot of these airlines were ordering. I think it's going to be difficult, uh, and you already see um, freighter operators um, either uh, reducing uh, their order book, um, parking aircraft, uh, going into chapter 11. The current market is not in need of any additional capacity. I think it's going to be very difficult for the the operators slash investors of those assets in the in the few years. Of course, you buy these things maybe with a perspective of fifteen to twenty years, but the few, first few years, I think, will be very difficult. Neil, on that
0: note, uh, I want to ask you end end the conversation with this question: Market sentiments and hard data tell us how these two are influencing decisions among shippers, forwarders, and carriers. Well, Okay.
1: Um let me let me let me use another metaphor that I, I love. Um and this was by another economist. And he said, let's let's assume there's a there's a wedding supermarket where you have a hundred people. So you could have fifty fifty pairs. So fifty pairs and eh? um and then everybody would find a partner. Now imagine that you would take one person out of that market. So the balance is still nearly there, but it's now 50 and 49. So one person in that room now realized will not have a partner. And that changes. So let's say, I'm going to do this the old-fashioned way. Let's say we've got 50 guys and 50 girls. And we take out one girl. So one guy is going to be left without a partner. That changes not only that person, but it changes the whole negotiation position of those 50 guys. Because they might think, well, hang on. I don't want to be left out. So when finding their ideal partner, they might settle for less or when, when 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 both sides are negotiating. So just with a minor uh, imbalance, that could have an impact for the whole group. And I think that is what is happening. We don't see a dramatic drop in volumes on most legs. And it's muted. It, 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 there's not a lot of growth. But the fear of missing out, or the fear of not making budget, or the fear of keeping your customers, or going all in. And um, uh, in one of the articles I said, you're going to Vegas, if you're buying on the short-term market, everything, but you're committing a one-year valid rate, that's that's quite a gamble, because nobody knows what's going to happen in that year. I think is where we have the difference between the sentiment and, and fundamentals. Where the, where the sentiment is I would argue worse than the hard facts seem to suggest. But that, well, that's temporary. Then people will, like I said, the, the, the panic uh, or the overreaction can only take so long. And then it will regress to the mean and the data and the sentiment will become more in, more in line. Nilla. Thank you so
0: much for uh, giving us a very realistic perspective on the current uh, air freight market uh, based on what we, we must love is uh, data. Uh, thank you so much. You're very much welcome. Thank you for having me and have a lovely day. That was Neil Vantavo, Chief Air Freight Officer at Zenita. That's it from us at Staff Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for
1: tuning in and come back next Monday for a fresh episode.